This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. That's the topic of conversation, boys and girls. The Indianapolis Colts did not trade all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor by their self-imposed Tuesday trade deadline. Uh, They felt there was no fair value offer out there, according to our own Adam Schefter. So Taylor now will remain on the physically unable to perform list, making him ineligible to play in at least the first four games of the season. Welcome to the show. No Amber Wilson tonight. Jonathan Zaslow in her stead. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Zaz, you're based in South Florida. You've yeah. covered the Miami Dolphins for a long time. They were rumored to be the primary team that was yeah. interested in making the move for Jonathan Taylor. We focus so much on the Colts side of this from a Dolphins perspective. Lay it on me. As a fan, are you upset about this, or do you think they ultimately made a prudent decision? No, not upset at all. I was hoping they were going to land Jonathan Taylor, but not upset at all because the Dolphins are actually a really well-run franchise now over the last two or three years. They've been a pitifully run franchise for the previous 15 to 20 years before (laughs) that. But I got to tell you, for the last two, three years, they're a very disciplined franchise when it comes to this kind of stuff. They spend the money the right way. They don't give the stupid money when they don't think that the player is worth it. And when we're talking about trading, you know, trading picks or what have you, they're doing it for guys like Tyree Kill. Here's a first-round pick. Bradley Chubb. Here's a first-round pick. They're willing to do it for the right guy and the right price. Now, the reason this situation was so difficult was you had to accomplish two things, right? You had to appease the Colts with the price you were going to give up, with the assets you were going to give up, and then you also had to appease the running back because he was allowed to negotiate with other teams and find a team that's willing to pay him and trade for him. So it's hard enough to accomplish one of those things when we're talking about a running back in today's NFL. The Dolphins had to get both of those things right. So it was always going to be a long shot, especially when we just saw the process with Dalvin Cook, right? Dalvin Cook's a local kid. Joe, Dalvin Cook was begging the Dolphins to sign him. He wanted to come home. He went and visited the Jets. He then left their facility and waited another two weeks before he actually signed with them. He was begging the Dolphins, and the Dolphins wanted him, but at their price. And Dalvin Cook wasn't willing to go there for that price. And the same thing here with Jonathan Taylor. The Dolphins had a price. This is what we think he's worth. If you'd like it, let's make a deal. If not, we're going to keep it moving. So I was hoping they were going to trade him because he's awesome. You know, and the Dolphins are clearly in a spot right now where let's win a Super Bowl. I mean, God forbid they even appear in a Super Bowl in my lifetime, Joe. I'm not <laughs> look at his face. I'm not getting any younger here, Joe. But I understand what the Dolphins are doing, and they're a very disciplined franchise these days. All right, first off, uh, no woe is me on this show. You just had the Heat in the finals. All right, uh, South Panthers, Florida. Say the Panthers. Go yes, Panthers. Too. South Florida yep. has had a very nice run as of late. I know we got you messy. To close anything, yeah, I don't. Has he actually played in an MLS game yet? What is going yeah. on down there? He's yeah, played in uh, forty games with Inter Miami, yeah, yeah. and none of them yeah, are MLS right. games. No, this past Saturday night was the first MLS game. He entered the game in the second half, up one nothing. He scored in the eighty sixth minute because he's the greatest, and Inter Miami won that game. Home MLS debut tomorrow night. I'm a season ticket holder, Joe. How about that? When did you get the season tickets? Before they started playing games. Yeah, oh my like God. I, Wait, yeah, before they so, had Messi. 
obviously, before the franchise existed, so a few years ago. Incredible, incredible foresight on your behalf. Yes. Incredible foresight. Yes. Because I, I'm just going to venture a guess here. You may have suffered as an Inter-Miami fan for a bit until what's happening now. Is that correct? I'm a, I'm a long-suffering Inter-Miami <laughs> fan. Like, it's, it's, been, it's been brutal. Long-suffering. Messi better Finally score 50 around. goals this weekend. <laughs> can I, right, can I tell you? Than, I, go ahead. I, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you real quick, all right? <laughs> my, my, wife, my wife told me going into this season, like, listen, the team's terrible. You are not renewing those tickets. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. Good I, point. I, renew, I renewed them, but I didn't tell her that I was renewing them, okay? Because the plan was, you know, Joe, there are these messy rumors out there. And if they do sign Messi, oh, my God, like, how can I give up these tickets? So I never said anything to her. And then when the season started, I told her, I said, listen, you're going to be mad. I kept the tickets because this over here with the greatest soccer player ever might happen. It might happen. And, Joe, when it happened, oh, it was party time in the Zaslow Mansion. <laughs> My wife's family's Argentinian. The tickets are worth thousands of dollars now. We're living large now. It's like Scrooge McDuck. I'm jumping into the <laughs> pile of money there now because I'm messy. <laughs> That's what's called necessary lying right there. It's necessary. Yeah. You have to yes. lie in that situation and say, all right, you're right. We got to get rid of the tickets. You cannot be the idiot who held those tickets for that long and imagine? then gave them up the moment Messi came to town. You'd never live that down. That yeah. would be the end of your career in virtually all regards there. So necessary Calculated lying. gamble. Calculated. <laughs> Calculated gamble. Very smart. He's Jonathan Zaslow. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Back to the Jonathan Taylor story. We sliced it from the Miami perspective. I agree with Zaz. Smart business. If it doesn't line up with what you're willing to pay, don't pay it. You don't need to force yourself into an overpay. Good season last year. Looks like it could be another good season this year. Don't overextend yourself. All right, that's where teams start to get themselves into trouble. Now to the Colts. Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, on what could happen next with Jonathan Taylor. I don't think we see him on the field till something gets resolved either financially, you know, the adjustments that were made to Josh Jacobs and to Saquon Barkley's contract, or that there's some type of agreement post this season that maybe they won't franchise tag him, or maybe they are somehow able to work out a deal that I guess falls under market value. Initially, I was going to say, I don't think he's ever going to play for the Colts again, but hearing the ending of it, Shefty kind of intimating that, you know, that the Colts would like to try to repair the the relationship gives me some hope that something could get done I'm just surprised that we sit here and he's not on a different football team because if you were the teams in conversation Miami my question becomes why Why? would you not just make sure you got him on the team I mean this is such a dangerous game for Taylor I'm not saying it's fair but he as a rookie second rounder he signed a four-year deal worth 7.8 million dollars he's three years through that deal I believe he's made about 6.3 million of that money so far if he sits out this year and doesn't play, it, 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 what happens next? Like, they, they can go ahead and just put you in a bad spot for a long time. I think the Le'Veon Bell situation is the one that stands out to just about everybody, right? The idea that Bell went to war with the Steelers, the Steelers said, okay. Bell ended up losing out on millions upon millions of dollars. Do you think Orlovsky's right? Do you think we don't see him until there's some sort of resolution in terms of being paid or traded? No, I, I don't think he's right. I think we're going to see him. I, what I think is probably going to happen is with him being able to seek trades and possibly negotiate with some of these teams who are willing to make an offer to the Colts, I think maybe it would have served educational for him, meaning, 
okay, this is what the market is for me out there. So I think maybe you get a little bit of a hint that what you want financially is actually not there. Plus, we've kind of seen the blueprint already, right, where Josh Jacobs did the holdout thing. And then instead of signing the franchise tender, he came back and got the $12 million, which I think was like $2 million more than what the tag would have paid him. Similar with Saquon Barkley. Didn't sign the franchise tender, came back, and is going to get a little more than like $1 million more than what signing the franchise tag would have given him. I, I think he, he likely saw what the market is for him out there, and I think that there is a possibility this relationship can get repaired because – Yes, you don't want to pay the running back on the second contract anymore that huge money. But here's the thing. I think there's an unless, Joe. And the unless is if the quarterback is on the value contract. If the quarterback is still on that you know, rookie four or five-year deal not getting paid a ton of money, which is exactly where Anthony Richardson is. So, yes, you don't want to pay the running back that second contract – but if you got the QB who's on that value contract, I think it changes the equation a little bit. Situation going from bad to worse in Indianapolis. And if that's true, which it looks like it is, how would you define what's happening in L.A. with the Angels? Going from worse to what? If you're unaware of what the Angels did today, stick around. We'll have that for you next. He's Jonathan Zaslow. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. No Amber Wilson tonight. Jonathan Zaslow in her stead. My name is Joe Fornball. Thank you for spending some of your time checking us out this evening. We greatly appreciate it. Let's talk a little baseball. Wild day, or I should say wild 24 hours around the association. 
which would be the NBA if I could get my letters correct, but this is MLB. <laughs> so the league, James Steele, producer extraordinaire, get on in here for some MLB whip around. All right, yeah, so uh, let's start off with what happened to Ronald Acuna Jr. last night. Fan is run on the field. And oh, Ronald Acuna, now Acuna goes down. Goodness, this is a mess. I really I, I couldn't say anything to him because at that point, you know, security was already there and uh, we were already kind of tangled up. All right, so Acuna had an encounter with two fans during Atlanta's 14-4 win over Colorado on Monday night. One fan uh, looked like he was trying to get a selfie with Acuna. He was quickly grabbed and dragged away by security, and then a second fan came up, ended up knocking Acuna to the ground. So, Zaz, what do you think about all this? I I think I wonder what the punishment is for that, because you can't just have fans running on the field and trying to take pictures and hugging and knocking players down, you know? I all you know, whenever I think about that kind of thing, we always go back to Monica Sellis, right? Like isn't that the one yes. we always think about and she got stabbed in the back in the middle of a tennis match. Like it's crazy. And then with Major League Baseball, remember it was uh the old father son duo who jumped the first base coach for the Kansas City Royals. You remember that? Yes. Jeez, you're bringing up some crazy, good ones. Crazy, right? crazy so you know we're we're speaking about Messi there earlier in the hour Lionel Messi that stuff happens with the major soccer players right where they run on the field and they want to take a hug Lionel Messi has a Navy SEAL who shadows him everywhere he walks when he's at work and roams the sidelines too so if you were to jump into like the frame you get taken out. Now, obviously, that can't happen, and you can't do that in every sport, but that's so scary, man. Like, I wonder how that goes, Joe. Like, does the guy just say, all right, let's do it, and they run down the steps, and they just hop right. the wall, and it's a mad dash to Ronald Acuna. The first thought here when I'm watching this is, do we not have enough freedom in this country that we now need to push for things like this? Do we not tolerate enough If you look around at some of the nonsense that takes place on TikTok with what people are doing now, the one kid who goes up to people who are like in a coffee shop listening to their headphones, but they're not AirPods. So while they're doing that, he just walks up and he uses his scissors and he just cuts the cord. He just cuts the cord. And then his his friend stands nearby and films the person getting upset as they try to tell the guy to chill out, chill out. Or there's the other idiot who walks around and pretends like he's on the phone and he yells an extra. Yo, yo, I'm on the phone. Yeah, he yells it, and then as you turn and look, he sits there and he goes, what, man, I'm on the phone. He did that. That guy did that on an escalator outside Caesars Palace to a UFC fighter who was fighting that weekend, and the UFC fighter just grabbed him by the throat and sat him right down on the escalator, and then the guy immediately, look, man, it's just a prank. It's just a prank. I'm just kidding around. It's a prank. Nobody cares that it's a prank at that point. You've gone too far. The the bill has come due. Nobody wants to hear your sob story. Like this is, I watch this stuff. The guys out there playing baseball. We're at a point where people in their mind say, it's okay. I'm going to run out there. I'm going to try to give them a hug and then probably turn around and wonder why they're going to get laid out at some point in the next five minutes after that. It's like, do we not have a, do we not allow ourselves to do enough that we can't draw some lines somewhere? Sorry for the old man. It's okay. Again. Just the timing of these, me and my mouth. There was a a small space. We thought it was over, and then you decided to start talking again. You guys did a good job. I'm blaming myself for stepping all over that. Correct. Okay. (laughs) At least the blame is placed 
squarely on their shoulders who deserves it. All right, the Los Angeles Angels placed nearly a quarter of their roster on waivers on Tuesday, including starter Lucas Giolito, relievers Matt Moore and Reynaldo Lopez, and outfielders Hunter Renfro and Randall Grichik. Late on July 26th, the same day the Angels decided not to trade superstar free agent to be Shohei Otani, they acquired Giolito Lopez from the White Sox. uh, Giolito and Lopez from the White Sox. They also, four days later, uh, acquired uh, Grichik from the Colorado Rockies. Joe, what do you think about this turn of events in L.A. with the Angels? Not surprising. You know, terrible organizations are going to make terrible decisions and then get terrible outcomes. And that's what's happening here with the Angels. They waited until the last possible moment to try to push their chips to the center with Shohei Otani. Um, it didn't work out. Shockingly, an organization that can't, that just pukes on itself at every single turn. At some point, we got to sit down and we got to start having conversations about like the five or six worst organizations in professional sports because we get on some teams because they're middle of the pack or they can't get over the top like you look around the nfl every now and again you'll sit there and aaron Rodgers and green bay took all this heat because they only won the one super bowl and they could you know what that's a well-run organization Uh, pittsburgh oh mike tomlin can't get past the patriots and and bill belichick they're in the playoffs they compete they make you proud if you're a fan these 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 franchises like the angels it's just an embarrassment top to bottom and you got a result that i think many of us saw was coming's as i think you're right big picture wise where yeah bad things happen to bad franchises, badly run franchises you could say hey I give it up to you because you tried to make a go at it with Shohei Otani, so we're going to try and chase the playoffs. We'll see if we can get there. We're going to go for it. And guess what? It didn't work out because, yeah, you're one of those franchises that aren't run well, so of course it didn't work. He froze up. He froze up, ladies and gentlemen. The Zoom froze. The audio dropped. It is panic everywhere here at ESPN. Rachel panicking, James panicking, myself not panicking so much. We're used to this before. I'll pick up where he left off, though, on the Otani thing as we try to get Zaz's audio back up again. It's not always about making great decisions. And this is for everything in your life. It's not always about making the best possible decision. Sometimes just avoid making the worst decisions, and you'll put yourself in a situation long term where you might yeah. might have some favorable outcomes, Zaz. Sorry about that, Joe. I, I Welcome to back. At the end. Hey, thank you. I, I had a great break. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to add there. It feels like a fantasy baseball move where you're in a league with a bunch of your friends, and it's the last week, and you're out of it. So hey, guess what? I'm going to release all these guys at 6 p.m. today. So make sure you jump on the waiver wire, and you can pick them up and win the league. That's what it feels like. That's very well said. James, you can fire one more. We'll keep it quick. All right, quick one. Uh, Josh Donaldson uh, was cut by the Yankees today. He was batting 142. Zaz, what do you think about Josh Donaldson? Not going to cut it. How about that? Yeah, I'm surprised it uh, took this long. Donaldson, I mean, you know, there comes a time for all of them. Donaldson was an AL MVP. I mean, remember when he was with the Oakland A's and when they traded him away? It was the same winter where the Warriors started their their dynasty run. Uh, Jim Harbaugh left the Niners. The Raiders were moving on to a new coach. The Giants were coming off a World Series. I know all this because I was there, but, like, that was wild. Absolutely wild when they traded away Josh Donaldson. Fans not fond of that situation. All right. The best and the worst-case scenarios for our NFL teams continues with the Rams and the Raiders. That's next. He's Jonathan Zaslow. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We are Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. He is Jonathan Zaslow. I am Joe Fortenball. The NFL coverage continues as we find ourselves nine days away from the start of the season. The defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs set to take on Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. Something we've been doing around here for the last couple weeks, best case, worst case scenario. We're going to go through every team in the NFL And we are going to give you our best-case scenario predictions and our worst-case scenario predictions. Zaz, are you ready? We're doing them all right now, every team. All 32 in this segment, every single one. Keep everything tight. Your takes have to be less than a sentence. Let's go. (laughs) Best-case scenario, uh, 9 and 8. Worst-case scenario, 8 and 9. Next. (laughs) All right. The fast talker. (laughs) So here we go, James. We're going to start tonight. We're going to give you two. The first team tonight. The Los Angeles Rams. Best case. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Worst case. Terrible, terrible, terrible. It was a team effort, and I guess it took every player working together to lose this one. Best case. Worst case. With Joe and Amber. Just a couple seasons barely removed from winning the Super Bowl. The Rams go 5-12 and 12 last year, 1-7 on the road, minus 77-point differential. Outlook this season in the eyes of Vegas, not exactly bright. Win total sitting around six and a half. Odds to win the Super Bowl near the bottom of the NFC. But maybe, just maybe, there's hope. Aaron Donald coming back healthy. Quarterback Matthew Stafford coming back healthy. Jonathan Zaslow, your best case scenario for this year's iteration of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think best case scenario is this could be a playoff team again. I think it could be a double-digit win team. Look, the NFC is not good outside the top two teams. We all believe San Francisco and Philadelphia are the cream of the crop. Maybe Dallas is not that far below them at third, but after that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. There's a bunch of open spots there. So best-case scenario is Stafford. I know he's having trouble gelling with the younger guys in the locker room (laughs) these days, but best-case scenario is Stafford looks more to form, and you still have some of those guys from that Super Bowl team there. So best-case scenario, Joe, is this is a double-digit win team, and they make the playoffs. Sean McVay is a hell of a head coach. 
We tend to forget things like that because we suffer from recency bias. Two years ago, everyone would be agreeing with me. Now everyone's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. McVay is actually a pretty good coach. If you talk about Cooper Cup two years ago, it's one of the best receivers in the league. Now find me a top five list that involves Cooper Cup. It's yeah. about Justin Jefferson. It's about Jamar Chase. We'll talk about Tyreek Hill and, and, and nothing against those guys at all. It's just Cooper Cup doesn't even show up on these lists anymore because last year was a down year plagued by injuries. So here we go. A healthy Cooper Cup. Up, a healthy Matthew Stafford, a healthy Aaron Donald, Sean McVay trying to coach this team up. I see best case scenario. I am not bullish on this team. I see it eight and nine. I think if they're up there threatening 500, that puts them in a spot where maybe that's their best case scenario. I don't see the playoffs in their future. And when we get to the worst case scenario, I'll lay out why. So your worst case scenario for the Los Angeles Rams, you do have some nice optimism for them. Double digits. That's got to make a Rams fan feel pretty good. Yeah, but I think that's just as much about the NFC just not being as competitive as the AFC. For worst-case scenario, this could be one of the worst teams in the NFC where it's just a hot mess and the bottom finally falls out here. Like, if you thought last year was bad and then it's time for a full-on rebuild because Stafford, he's just he's not that guy anymore. Aaron Donald is thinking about retirement again like after they won the Super Bowl. And Sean Payton is thinking about... Is he going to leave to go do television again, which we know was a thing a couple of years ago as well, and he decided against it. So the worst-case scenario is the bottom falls out. They really do hit rock bottom, and it's one of the worst teams in football. Yep, and that's what I'd agree on. And when it comes to their odds on being the worst team in football, the only teams that are listed below them are essentially like Arizona and Houston. They're right in there with Tampa Bay in terms of the odds. So they've got some big problems. Last year, they were not a good defense. They were 20th in scoring defense. They were 20th in opponent yards per play. Then they lost Jalen Ramsey. They lost Leonard Floyd. They lost Bobby Wagner. And before you say, well, Bobby Wagner's at the end of his career, Bobby Wagner was fantastic last season. He had a fantastic season for them. He was one of their few bright spots. Those three guys are gone. They didn't replace him with anybody. They didn't spend any money. They've been in salary cap hell. And as a result, they couldn't spend anything to address it. So the team is filled with all of these young players and draft picks because they got to try to be cost-effective. Stafford's 35 years old, I believe, now. The injuries are a concern. I could see a scenario, since the Rams have a very difficult opening six games, eight games, right in that range, that if things go poorly early, they start thinking about, That quarterback that's in their backyard, Caleb Williams at USC, Drake May at UNC, and they start thinking to themselves, all right, we got to reboot this thing. We're going to move on from Stafford. Thank you for all you've done. But the the organization is headed in a new direction, and I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up going into the tank because what they have right now, it's not really feasible in terms of like we're going to go out and compete, and then we just need to add a couple guys. They're headed for a rebuild, and it could start a lot sooner than people realize. That is best case, worst case for the Los Angeles Rams team that used to reside in LA, then Oakland, now Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders. Best case scenario for the team that will have Jimmy Garoppolo as its starting quarterback this year's ass. Yeah, Joe, best case scenario for the Vegas Raiders is they're stuck in that middling purgatory, which is eight or nine wins. It's the worst place to be. And I really think that's the best case scenario. As It's actually a bad place to be, but as far as win total goals, I think that's their best case scenario, is being a very middling team. Garoppolo, I like Garoppolo. I think you could win with him. Matter of fact, we've seen you can win with him. He's been in the Super Bowl, but they don't have necessarily the pieces there, okay? And the pieces that are there may not be entirely happy 
to be there. So I look at the schedule here, and I don't see the 86 Bears. I mean, it's not that difficult to schedule, especially the first six weeks of the season. I think they could put together a nice little start there, but the best-case scenario, very middling, max eight or nine wins. I'm with you on that. There's not a whole lot of disagreement. There are only two teams in the NFL that were bottom 10 teams that got a top 10 schedule in terms of difficulty, the Washington Commanders and the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, if you have a bad season, you're supposed to get a favorable schedule the following year, and it didn't work out that way for the Raiders based on all the crossovers and who they have in their division with the Chargers ahead of them, the Chiefs ahead of them, possibly the Broncos ahead of him. I agree with you. I covered Garoppolo in the Bay Area. I think he's competent. I think he can be slightly above average. I wonder how much of that was Shanahan and whether or not Josh McDaniels will be able to get as much, if not more, out of him. He does have Devontae Adams at his disposal, should have Josh Jacobs at his disposal. Defensively, they're anchored by guys like Max Crosby, who can get after the quarterback. But I don't know if there's a whole lot there. We, we saw it go poorly for McDaniels in Denver when he was a head coach. Now he's back. Year number one didn't go great for the Raiders, but you know what? They got to get their hands on the roster. They got to get rid of the guys that don't fit their culture, and they got to build it up. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt after year one. I think you talking about eight and nine, nine and eight, that feels like a ceiling. What's a floor for the Raiders? Well, worst case scenario for the Raiders is look at the division they're in. All right. The Chiefs and Chargers, that's four games right there. Those are killer games. And worst case scenario is. Russell Wilson proves that last year was a fluke. And now you're talking about six games in division, which are very, very difficult. We know the conference as a whole is incredibly tough. So worst case scenario for this Raider team. Again, I don't think there's a whole lot of deviation between best case and worst case with this team. But I would say worst case, we're talking five wins so again I had best case like eight or nine worst case I got around five not much deviation yeah I'd be looking at that as well I'd love to be able to differentiate with you and we can get into this classic sports talk radio argument here but I don't see the bottom falling out because there's enough talent there to win some games and they do tend to show up against the Chiefs not saying they beat the Chiefs but they'll show up to play the Chiefs they will show up and give you great efforts against the Chargers those games tend to always be solid if memory serves me correctly but I could see it being a struggle of a season for all the reasons you laid out. The schedule is going to be difficult. I don't see either unit, defense or offense, as an elite unit. Special teams have some bright spots, but the Devontae Adams thing, you can lean on him. He was fantastic last year, and if Garoppolo can stay healthy again, there's an opportunity here for them to make a little bit of noise. But if he goes down and you have to turn it over to Aiden O'Connell, or if Garoppolo is simply a byproduct of Kyle Shanahan's system and he flames out under Josh McDaniels, you could see this getting real messy in a hurry. Remember, this organization made a big mistake with Derek Carr last year. They sat him at the end of the season because they didn't want to risk injury because they wanted to try to get something in return for him after the year. But apparently the way the contract was structured – The dates on it allowed him to go ahead and get out there onto the open market without the Raiders getting anything in return, which is still just a very questionable approach. But again, it was year one on the job for the new organization. I'll chalk it up. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that something can go forward. James, resident Chiefs fan, when was the last time you were concerned as a Chiefs fan of the Raiders? (laughs) It has been a while. Yeah. I mean, they always play. They always play the Chiefs tough. But They'll play you tough in yeah. the in the division. They just haven't been a factor in forever. You're it never like, like oh man, we got the Raiders this weekend. We got a big problem. 
<laughs> it's it's not like when you're the if you're like a Dolphins fan, you're looking around like, all right, we got the Jets, we got the Bills. You know, Belichick and the Patriots will be feisty. Or if you're a Giants fan, you're worried about the Eagles and the Cowboys. Like if you're the Chiefs, it's like, all right, Chargers will probably give us a a go because they like to. Outside of that, Russ looks thick and Raiders are <laughs> With two thick. C's. Yeah. <laughs> With two- as the kids would say, one ESPN radio host in these I'm parts here. thinks there's only two logical landing spots, two, believe it or not, for Giannis Antetokounmpo if he ends up wanting out of Milwaukee. We'll break those down next. You can see if Zaz and I agree or not. He's Jonathan Zaslow. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Happy Tuesday. He is Jonathan Zaslow. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Thank you for spending some of your time with us today. It is greatly appreciated. To the association we go. Our own Jay Williams. You see him all over the place. You hear him all over the place here at ESPN. He was talking today about the Giannis Antetokounmpo situation that is I don't know if I want to say brewing or percolating in Milwaukee. For those of you unfamiliar, the story started to pop a few days ago that Giannis isn't necessarily in a rush to sign a contract extension with the Bucs. He wants to see what they're going to do. How aggressive are they going to be? Are they going to put a legitimate championship contender around him, or should he be looking to play elsewhere? Zaz, I want to get your opinion on this in just a second. Here's Jay Williams, who is pitching what he believes are two realistic places for Giannis to land should he leave Milwaukee. Is that Golden State? We've heard him talk uh, yeah. openly about Steph Curry and what's happening there. Like he's talked openly about, hey, I'll play in Golden State. Like you never heard Giannis say stuff like this before. That is true. You use the pending New York Knicks situation. Like they have a lot of draft capital, right? So if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, if you feel like you're going to lose him, uh-huh. do you trade him before you lose him for nothing? So here we go. Two spots that Jay Williams is pitching the New York Knicks. And the Golden State Warriors. Two-part question for you, Zaz, opening up the floor here. Number one, do you think it goes sour in Milwaukee? And then number two, your thoughts on Williams' landing spots. Okay, well, let me actually start with the second question there. because That's not how this works. That's not how that's not the order. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, okay, just kidding. Very good. You're throwing me off. I'll start with the second part first, where anytime there's a major superstar in the NBA, if you're not mentioning the Miami Heat – as one of the potential landing spots, you're automatically wrong, okay? Here so we go. If, you, if you think the Warriors and Knicks are, the t- are two landing spots, that's fine, but you got to make it there are three landing spots then, Warriors, Knicks, or Heat, because I do believe if the Heat can't accomplish something with Damian Lillard right now, they're going to pivot and give all of their attention to Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the Miami Heat, if the Miami Heat are giving all of their attention to a specific player, that player is at least going to be somewhat interested and take a mosey on over, hey, what's going on over there? But I do not believe this situation is going to come to a head. I don't believe it's going to get sour, Joe. I actually believe he's doing Milwaukee a solid here. Sometimes you need a little bit of a kick in the butt. Remind everybody, hey... I sacrifice. I'm spending time away from my family. I work hard here. All of you better be on the same page as me. And it's not like there's a deadline of you got a month to get this done. 
you actually got two years to get this done. So I think he's doing them a bit of a solid here, giving them time to figure this out. And he's different from those other guys, Joe. Like, you see these off-season videos. They all love training together, the NBA player. They all love playing together. Let me know when you find one of these videos with Giannis working out with one of the other superstars. I'll be waiting forever. He's not like all of those guys. I, I think staying in Milwaukee and staying in the same place, Kobe, Dirk Nowitzki, Reggie Miller, there's something to that where you stay in the same place and you're a Hall of Famer your entire career. So I, I don't think this situation is going to get sour, no. I hope that's the case because too often in the NBA, the second there's a little bit of adversity, players want out. Trade me, I'm not going to play. I want out. And that's what we end up going through, right? We see it with Harden. We saw it with so many different guys throughout the course of their careers. Rare is the Steph Curry, who's going to show up on a bad team, be the bedrock, be the cornerstone, be the guy that you can build around, be the leader, be the face, who can take you to the promised land and then continue on and make you competitive and make you a viable product in the area that people want to see and tune into night in, night out. You know, Giannis has that opportunity in Milwaukee and you're right. That's a great point. Every now and again, you'll need a little bit of a wake-up call. Don't get complacent. Don't think just because I haven't said anything doesn't mean I'm okay with this situation. Everyone better be doing what needs to be done in order for us to stay competitive. I'm looking at Boston. They keep tweaking. I'm looking at Philadelphia. Embiid's still, still there. They're messy at times, but you can't just discount them. Miami finds their way into the conversation every so often, and we've seen it the last couple years. You can't sleep on any of these teams, and you never know when the next big gun is going to be traded into your conference to take a team that's right there in the middle of the pack to the next level. So Milwaukee getting aggressive would make plenty of sense because you wouldn't want to lose the guy. Because once you do, you go to irrelevancy, right? Like when he's gone, it's not just that you lost out on him and you couldn't make him happy. You now enter an era in which people aren't going to want to buy season tickets. They're not going to want to buy jerseys. They're not necessarily going to want to watch you every night because you lost a generational talent. And they're not a free agent destination. I mean, how did they get Giannis? They got lucky that they scouted him well and got him in the middle of the first round. That kind of talent is not usually there in the middle of the first round. So, yeah, if Giannis leaves, you are in the island of irrelevancy, and I'm not sure how you dig yourself out of there. Now, to Jay Williams' point on the Knicks and the Warriors, I find those to be polar opposites in terms of destinations. Not saying they can't happen, but when you listen to what Giannis talks about, he wants to be competitive, right? He's, his issue right now with Milwaukee is whether or not they're going to make the moves necessary to bolster the roster, to put the best possible product out there. I could then understand why Golden State would be a potential landing spot. That's an organization committed to winning. There is talent there that could work. The Knicks aren't the Warriors, and I don't think I need to get into all the reasons why the Knicks aren't the Warriors, but while they're on the up right now, they're an organization that's had a lot of a lot of missteps over the last few decades, a lot of missteps. You'd really be putting a lot of eggs in, an, in a shaky basket, if you're honest, going to New York and hoping that the Knicks could figure out, all right, now that we've got you, you're the missing piece. We're going to manage this properly the rest of the way. I actually think there's a much better chance if he were to leave, and I don't think so, I think there's a much better chance it would be for the Knicks and not the Warriors. Because like I said, he's not like these other dudes in that league. I don't think he wants to jump onto the Warriors. I don't think he wants to go that Kevin Durant route. I think you look at a team like the Knicks and you're, you know what? 
I'm going to be the leader here. I'm going to be the guy who leads them to a championship, brings a, ch- a championship to the Mecca, the Mecca, the greatest basketball arena in the world. The Warriors, though, it's viewed too much as that's Steph Curry's team right over there, and rightfully so. Giannis doesn't seem about that makeup. He wants the challenge. He wants the sacrifice. I think the Knicks would be a much more logical destination than the Warriors would be. He would be a god in New York City. Yeah. Imagine Giannis going to New York and taking the Knicks to the finals and yep. winning the Larry O'Brien. Like, I think that's important to him, Imagine what that does for him in New York City. Like, yeah, imagine. I think that stuff's important to him. Yep. Ooh, ooh. All right. More on the drama between the Indianapolis Colts and running back Jonathan Taylor. That's going to be coming up next with Q Myers and Matt Fontana. Zaz, it was a pleasure working with you tonight, my man. I had a good time, Joe. Fantastic Thank you. Fantastic work. I hope we can do it again soon. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, his name is Jonathan Zaslow. My name is Joe Fortenball. This has been Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Have a fantastic night, and thank you for listening. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.